0: The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Six years ago this summer, my wife Abby and I were dating and we had just a great dating relationship and now marriage and we just had so much fun when we were dating and uh, it was just a wonderful time and season of life and it was like every turn as I got to know Abby it was like man I was like yes I'd be driving home the two hours from here to get back to where I was living at the time and I'm thinking like man she she enjoys the things that I enjoy and she loves the Lord and She's got good, solid character, and it's like, yes, yes, all these things, and there was one particular day, however, when I found something that was disturbing and uh, made me quite repulsed at the girl, and it was the fact that she likes jigsaw puzzles, and you see, I am not good at those kinds of things, I'm good at the kinds of puzzles where there's like three or five pieces And it's like the little kid puzzles. Those are what I'm built for. And my wife, Abby, she is built for the ones that are like 1,000 or like 2,000 pieces. So if you came here this morning and and you like jigsaw puzzles, I'm sorry, but we need to to pray for you. Because there's something wrong with you. There's something seriously wrong with, with you if you like those kinds of puzzles. But although I am not good at those kinds of puzzles, I know what people that are good at them do. They take the lid of the box which on it has the picture it has the completed picture and they'll take the lid of that puzzle box and they'll set it up so that they can see what the completed picture is like it'll show them how all of these little pieces need to fit in together now if someone doing one of those ridiculous thousand piece jigsaw puzzles looks at the at the lid of the puzzle box And it's a blue scene. All of the pieces have, in some form or fashion, blue in them. And they come across a red puzzle piece. They will rightly come to the conclusion that that puzzle piece doesn't belong in this puzzle for this picture that the puzzle creator has made to see what this whole picture is supposed to look like. They'll know that that red puzzle piece does not belong. Similarly, if there were a puzzle And on the box, on the lid of the box, it shows a picture of green and, say, yellow. And they open up the bag and they realize there's all the green pieces, but there are no yellow puzzle pieces. They will come to the rightful conclusion that that there are pieces missing from this puzzle set. And therefore, they ought not to throw any out, but they need to go and look for these particular puzzle pieces to create this picture that the designer had made from the very beginning. We have begun which we will go through the entirety of the book of acts talking about roots talking about roots of the church seeing where it is that we came from understanding things that happened in the beginning so that we have an inextricably clear picture for what we are to do and to be like as a church moving forward and what i really hope that it has been like i hope we could liken it to setting up the lid of a puzzle box i hope we could liken it to seeing the picture that that God has given us the completed story to see what all puzzle pieces ought to be in it and ought not to be in it so that we know what we're to model after and how we are to go about it. And, and I believe that both in our personal lives and us together as a church that we will come across some pieces that don't belong. We will come across some red puzzle pieces that we will say this, this piece of how we are as a fellowship, this piece of how my individual life is, this doesn't fit into the master picture that the Creator has made from the very beginning, it doesn't fit. I also believe we'll probably find some missing pieces, both as a church and in our individual lives as we go through the book of Acts in its entirety, we'll find some things that we think, man, like those elements were there for the church and that's the picture, but man, we just don't see that here among us. We need to go find these pieces so that we can mimic the model that God has given for us in His word and i'll just tell you i i believe that all of us both as a church and individually will see these pieces both extra pieces and missing pieces as we strive to model after what god has given us i know for us as a church that a missing puzzle piece or one that is sometimes missing among us which is a common attack of the enemy on most every church i would say is unity that is something for us as a church that i see as a pastor that the devil would attack us in that way that you and I would go on in this kind of not unified way. Now, I'm thankful for the unity that is in this church, and there is a whole lot of it. But I'm talking about... Day of Pentecost, 120 believers together in one accord with a love for one another. I'm talking about that kind of unity. It's a missing puzzle piece for our church. And that's not something to dismay over. That's something that we ought to praise the Lord that God's word reveals those kinds of things and shows it to us so that we know what to do moving forward. We must understand where we're at so then we can move forward from there. So if you are ready with me to prop up this puzzle box lid to see the picture. I invite you now to turn to Acts chapter 2. We can be taking our Bibles there, whether it's your hard copy or electronic device, but I'd love for everyone to be able to have Acts chapter 2 in front of us. Now this picture that we have begun to see in the beginning portions of the book of Acts, it involves this man named Luke convinced and convincing this man named Theophilus of who jesus is and the certainty of his resurrection we see one of the things that we see from this puzzle box lid is that there is certainty in this man named jesus we see how the holy spirit was promised jesus ascension is another thing that we see in his promise return. the certainty of his plan the unstoppability, I'm not even sure if the word unstoppability is a word, but it is this morning. We see the unstoppability of Jesus' plan when Judas, who betrayed him, was replaced by the man named Matthias. God is not going to be stopped or hindered in his plan of executing what it is that he has ordained to execute. We see this upper room experience that we preached last week of these 120 believers together in one accord. Empty vessels being willing to be used of God. They were obedient to what Jesus had told them to do the Holy Spirit chose to work through them for the purpose of gospel proclamation and then Peter stands up to begin preaching and there's something very interesting about this preaching in that it only gives us a part of the sermon and we know there it says in Acts chapter 2 verse 40 that with many other words he testified to them so we know we have a portion of what it was that Peter said and lots of other things and it makes my pastoral mind ponder why is it that the Holy Spirit of God decided to only give us a portion of that sermon. Perhaps there are some things inside of Peter's sermon that we ought to take note of. Last week, we covered the part of his sermon where he discussed from the book of Joel. He's saying, this Holy Spirit coming to be poured out on all flesh, this is a fulfillment of what the prophet Joel prophesied all those years ago. Peter makes that very plain that what was happening there on that Pentecost day was a fulfillment of what was prophesied all those years prior. We also saw how Peter was saying that this Jesus, any other man you kill and put into a grave and his bones just rot, but this Jesus, when he was crucified and put in the grave, the only thing that was possible for hap- to happen to him was that his body would begin breathing because he has power over death and power over sin. So we're in Acts chapter 2, look to verse 25 as we see what it is that God has for us. From this puzzle box live. See what it is that God wants us to see from this sermon that Peter preached on that Pentecost day. Verse 25. Where God's word says through the Apostle Peter as he's standing preaching to all these people, it says, For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. So right there, if you are the type of person that will write in the margin of your Bible or on your notes, wherever it is that you're taking notes, next to that portion of Acts 2, 25 to 28, you can write in the margin Psalm 16, 8 through 11. That is the psalm that Peter is referencing. It was a psalm written by David, written by the Holy Spirit. David was simply the pen through which the Holy Spirit of God wrote those things. That is what Peter is referencing here. Now, there are two things to note about this, and I'll be quick, so hang with me here. Uh, Beware of anyone in this New Age theology that would say that the Old Testament is not needed and not necessary. Be very wary of those kinds of people. Because that person, whether they are a person who is simply extraordinarily immature in their faith, or whether it's a person that is deceived of the devil and used for the kingdom of darkness purposes, the person that says that the Old Testament is not needed. You just need to understand that Peter would disagree with them based on all these Old Testament verses that he is referencing. Just know that Jesus also would disagree with that person that says that the Old Testament is not needed. Jesus, numerous times. Reference the Old Testament. We absolutely need the Old Testament for today. It is true that we are not underneath the Old Testament covenant, but the Old Testament, we are seeing the fulfillment of all those things in today's world of things that were prophesied. We absolutely need the Old Testament for today. Be wary of the teachers like Andy Stanley who say things like, you don't need the Old Testament for the Christian life today. It's absolutely wrong. That's thing one to remember. Thing two to remember also, as we zoom in on the text that we read, are to simply note the things that David said the Messiah would be. The things that David in the old testament said of this redeemer this man named jesus he says that because of this man because of this messiah it would cause david to not be shaken look closely at the text that jesus would be the reason that his heart would rejoice that his tongue would be glad that he would rest in hope That he would not be left in Hades, that he would make the ways of life known to him, and that he would find fullness of joy in the presence of this coming Redeemer that would one day come. That's what David said of this man named Jesus. So remember the context in which Peter is standing up on that Pentecost day, preaching to all those thousands of people, and he's saying, That man named Jesus, who I know. These people, remember what it was that they were facing. They were experiencing the Roman persecution against the Jewish people. They were experiencing the bondage. They were experiencing some difficult times. And they had heard all of the Old Testament prophecies of this Redeemer that would come. And they were expecting some militaristic kind of leader to come and kick the rear end of the Romans. And that's what they were expecting. But what Peter does on that Pentecost Day, he stands up and says, what David prophesied of all those years ago The things that you were looking for, I know that this man named Jesus looked different than the militaristic leader that you expected to come in or riding on the horse to take out the enemy. It came in the form of this man named Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a carpenter's son, had Joseph as an earthly father. All of those things, the joy, the peace, the protection, the rest of it, all those things that you are searching for, it's found in this man named Jesus. That is what Peter was standing up and communicating on that day. So our first point this morning, the thing that I believe that God would have us understand from his word, from this portion of Peter's sermon, is the satisfaction in Jesus' nature. The satisfaction. Everyone say the word satisfaction with me. Ready, set, go. Satisfaction in Jesus' nature. Don't pass by Jesus because you think that the Christian life looks a certain way or looks different than the way it is. I'm here to tell you today, dear sir, dear madam that the only way for you to have satisfaction in life is through the person of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, not just from my own experience, but on the authority of God's Word. The authority of God's Word. David, all those years ago, prophesying of what it was that Jesus would be. Peter stands up and says, that's what He is. And I'm telling you also, this very day, that those kinds of not shaken, heart rejoicing, tongue glad, resting in hope, not left in Hades, ways of life known, fullness of joy in His presence, those things are only had in the nature Of Jesus. And people everywhere are striving for satisfaction through other means. And hear me this morning. Uh, Perhaps you saw as I did on the one of the Yahoo headlines this morning of um, it was Andrew Cuomo's daughter. Most of you remember Andrew Cuomo. He's that wonderful, lovely character who put all those sick COVID patients with the elderly in his state. But it's his daughter that is come out of the closet as demisexual or denisexual and I didn't understand what that meant so I started to do some research and it simply describes having a potential for a sexual relationship to anyone whom you feel an emotional connection with and I hope your discernment is working I hope you've prayed for discernment in this day and age in which we live because the moment I saw that I thought to myself you know We've already seen it coming in the LGBTQ movement that that pedophilia is the next thing on the docket for them to adopt in that long list of things. But it certainly makes sense that the word pedophilia, that's synonymous with criminal. That's synonymous with such an icky feeling that there's no way that they could have LGBTQP, but... This demisexual, demisexual, it absolutely opens the gate for that in a softer kind of way. A new term that doesn't have all the negative stereotype attached with it. So it'll be LGBTQD. And I just want to say to the person that struggles in this sin and, and they're finding this, they're seeking to find this satisfaction by having just. No restraints on sexuality whatsoever. Should there be anyone here that is tempted in those kinds of ways that would think that your heart is going to find some kind of satisfaction in those things? Or anyone online that sees the YouTube later of you you have those homosexual tendencies and that's that's a... That's a temptation for you. I just want to tell you, there's not satisfaction in those things. You will not find joy in that life. The world is saying that this is what you must do to find fulfillment and to find satisfaction. You won't find it there. And our bodies, our physical bodies, are a testimony to the fact that we're not supposed to have no restraint. God made certain things for certain purposes. It's only in His way, in the very person and nature of Christ. Are we going to find any of that kind fulfillment. And that's easy to preach about some of those kinds of things, but uh, I fully expect that some of you will be very upset with some of the things I say in the next moments. Um, That kind of seeking satisfaction is not just in the lost of the lost. It's in the church It's crept its way in. It takes a much more palatable form than this demisexual weirdness. It takes the form of a life that champions other things above Christ. And that thing that takes precedence over Christ and the life of many and even people at New Covenant Community Church this morning takes many different forms it takes the form of basketball it takes the form of baseball it takes the form of cars It takes the form of entertainment. It takes all the form of the things that drive our schedules, the things that drive our emotions, the things that drive our thoughts that are over Christ. I'm telling you, dear friend, that puzzle piece isn't here. You don't see the puzzle box lid and see that puzzle puzzle piece in there. It's an extra piece. It's not meant to go that way. What what we see here is full satisfaction, full enjoyment, the most high supreme reigning authority in our life being that of jesus and his word that is what you were made for it's what you were designed to be to have satisfaction in his nature and can i just tell you friends i i've got problems like all of you i have things I struggle with in my own emotions, just like all of us. I am not some rare breed, holy, special pastor. I'm just like you. But even in the midst of trouble, even in the midst of my continual sin, even in the midst of things that I battle against and temptation that I'm doing my best to put to death the deeds of the flesh of this sinful man, even in the midst of those things, He is where satisfaction is found. The purpose that He's given this not shaken heart rejoicing, that is where satisfaction is found. I'm telling you, is it not my own personal testimony that that is where satisfaction is found. That's that's the puzzle that fits on the puzzle box. If you see it clearly, I hope you say amen. Look to verse 29 as we continue on, where Peter gives more detail about how David came to this conclusion all those years ago. Peter says, verse 29, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet... "...and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne." Verse 31, "...he, foreseeing this," Peter says, "...of David, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor his flesh to see corruption." Okay, so let's just put the car in park right there for just a brief moment. Peter says of David that based on these things that David prophesied concerning Christ, that David knew that this Christ was going to come from his lineage. That's pretty plain. That's pretty clear. Most everybody in the New Testament they would have known that. And that's pretty common knowledge. If you're a person that understands and reads the Bible even a little bit, that the Christ was going to be someone coming through the physical line of David, which Jesus did. We understand that much to be true. But the thing that's so interesting is that he also knew of this resurrection. David also knew, I hope you see it, verse 31, he foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection. David prophesied in the Old Testament of this great joy, this great peace, this satisfaction in the nature of the Messiah based on this resurrection of the Christ. That his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Verse 32, this Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, it's almost like he's saying, the Father said to the Son, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know, Peter says to the congregation, assuredly, That God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. What Peter stood up and said and communicated on that day and made inextricably clear is our second point this morning, the certainty of Jesus' deity. The certainty of Jesus' deity. Jesus was and is the Christ, Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. The reign of God is for Jesus. That is his role. That is who he literally is. Peter first tells about this prophecy in Joel that came to pass with this Holy Spirit coming. And then he also brings up this Old Testament passage that David prophesied concerning the Christ of this Jesus coming. And what his purpose would be and who he would be which was indeed and is Deity. Now, if I were to take a stab as to why Peter preached this, I don't think any of us will be able to know exactly. But I think that just perhaps the reason that the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to preach that very thing of bringing up those Old Testament scriptures and showing how the Holy Spirit and Jesus were fulfilling those things is because of the tendency that is in all of our hearts—the age-old human desire to dismantle the deity of Christ. And to remove him from the status of God. This is an age-old thing. And you say, Pastor Ben, what are you talking about? Think back to the garden where the devil say, did God really say all that he said about the forbidden fruit? You think back to when Jesus was on his earthly ministry here on the earth in Mark 6, there in verse 2. And it says, and when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And with and what wisdom is this which he is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter? You hear it's like they were convinced of the godliness, but then they then they stick their human understanding on it. Listen to what it says in verse 3. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? so they were offended at him they dismantled his deity they 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 brought him down from the level of god which is the temptation in all of our hearts to to dismantle him to to dethrone him from the throne in our hearts it was charles russell all those years ago i believe it was in the early 1900s when he was at a bible study and, and not being able to wrap his mind around the reality of hell then launched the whole Jehovah's Witness movement that now claims that Jesus is not God and deceiving millions. Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, the same type of thing. They don't don't crown him as king and God. They say that Jesus is simply the first and the greatest and one of many God's spiritual children that God created. They don't crown him as God. They, They want to dismantle this deity that Christ is, that Peter stands up and says, this man named Jesus whom you killed, he is the Christ. He is Lord and Christ. I think I shared a few weeks ago during a Wednesday night when I was preaching that uh, in this search that we have for an additional pastor of this church, one of the applicants was gifted, and I'm talking like Gath or good gifted, just incredible voice, an amazing ability to sing, very winsome, very personable, and he he's telling me about his story and about his life, and he says, "Well, I've." I've led worship for the Pentecostals and the Baptists and the Methodists and the Presbyterian and the Mormons and the da 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 And I'm thinking, whoa, wait a second. I let him go on. I tried to be as polite as I could. But at this moment that he was done, I said, now tell me more about leading worship for the Mormons. And then he goes on to describe to me that his wife is a Mormon. And then he goes on to describe to me why that's not a problem. And I'm thinking to myself John 1 1 says that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus is God. He's not just some spiritual child that God decided just to create at one point. In the beginning He was there. He is absolutely Peter stands up and says this man named Jesus, He is God. So I hope you see clearly this morning church that our heart's desire will be to dismantle this God that Jesus is but he is God church he is the Lord he is the Christ and Peter made it inextricably clear the certainty of his deity so we see the birth of the church and we see the things the roots that our church has the beginning of why we're all here together today it involves the satisfaction in Jesus nature and the certainty of Of his deity. So, should I ever not be the pastor of New Covenant Community Church? No one worry, I don't got any plans to go nowhere, but just hear me. We ought to be a people, dear friends, brothers and sisters this morning, that when people come in and say things like, well, a six day creation is not necessary for the gospel. The six-day creation is indeed necessary for the gospel because if it was not a six-day creation, God is a liar. If God says you can get this saved, saved this way and we know that he's a liar, the gospel is not trustworthy. We must trust his word. He is God. You see the dismantling of his deity and his ability to make everything in six days and to rest on the seventh. They make it easier for God through means of evolution. It's not right and it is not the truth. People say that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. We do not worship the same God. The Quran teaches that all who don't worship Allah or whatever name they use is is going straight to hell, even including, excluding Jesus from even being God. No, it is not the same God. Jesus holds the reign and the authority as God and his deity that much is Sure. Now, I know some of you are, and I appreciate the amens, but, but some, what some people in this church need to hear as we move forward together as a church body is my job is not to entertain you. My job is not to make you happy. My job is to walk up here and to preach the word of God as it is and if you're angry, if people are angered by what I say, I hope that you take it to God's word first because if I don't rightly divide the word of truth and I say something that is not biblical, I repent now of that. I want you to come to me and I will repent. I will say sorry. I will stand before the church and say that I'm sorry but if it is something in God's word that someone is offended with, don't even talk to me about it. Take me to lunch instead. Okay? If your problem's not with me your problem is with god's word and god's word teaches and teaches explicitly clear that jesus is god and this lukewarm christianity that is common in today's church where baseball takes precedence and we'll get to church maybe sometimes this is not about disciplining the will such that people come to church more often this is about you don't get it People who are driven, their schedule, their devotion, their, their, their thoughts, their efforts, their money, those things being driven by that of another, they just haven't gotten it yet. Jesus said in Matthew fifteen eight, when he was talking to the scribes and Pharisees, he says, these people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And I believe as true as it was that Jesus said that in that day when Jesus says the prophet Isaiah prophesied well to say that. I believe that is absolutely true in in our day and age. And I'm just here to tell you that that puzzle piece doesn't fit. If Jesus is God, if he is deity, if he is God. God and our satisfaction is found in Him. The puzzle piece that fits when we open up and see the puzzle box lid, the piece that fits is bowing to that with humble submission because of how good He is. Let me tell you, church, that when we see that puzzle box, it's got too much love in it. It's got too much redemption and mercy in it to not, for that puzzle piece, not to bow submissively rather than going off and doing our own thing. It's awesome what He's left us. It's awesome what God's Word shows us, the love and the redemption and the care that He has for people that owed Him. He he owed us nothing, George. He owed us nothing. And this thought that this nominal Christianity that is rampant in the American church, absolutely rampant, the puzzle piece doesn't fit. God's Word knows nothing of that. What God's Word knows is a puzzle piece that sees the grace, that sees the love that's been called by a father and its sins are forgiven and they fit in this joyful piece where Christ is King, where He is God and we find full satisfaction in Him and Him alone. I don't have any problem with basketball and baseball and dance lessons. Those are all good, wonderful things that God has given us to enjoy but they are not God. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, God's Word says, what was it that they just heard? Peter stands up and says all these things about the Holy Spirit, Prophet Joel, it's happened today, Peter says. All these things that David said, Peter says, listen to what it was that David said about Jesus, fullness of joy, heart rejoicing, tongue glad, all these things, that man named Jesus and you killed him, Peter says to all the people. will call the things that i believe jesus wants us to see this morning from his word from the from what peter preached what he inspired peter to preach all those years ago the section of the sermon that god gave us the satisfaction in jesus name in his nature the certainty of his deity and lastly this morning the promise of jesus offer the promise of jesus offer I hope you caught that last section that we read there where Peter says, whom you've killed. Whom you have killed, Peter says to the masses. God has made him Lord and Christ. Dear friends, this morning it was the same people that were spitting in Jesus' face. It was the same people that were, that were mocking him and jeering at him. and that, The same people that were shouting in the crowd, crucify him! It was those same people that were standing there before the cross that Jesus says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And they're still cursing. They're still jeering at him. He goes into the grave. He raises his life. He teaches his disciples for a while. He ascends on high, promises to return, sends the Holy Spirit. Peter's now preaching to those same people, the same people that killed Christ, the same people that jeered his name, spat on him, and all the rest. And what is God I don't know about you, but when people would humiliate and hurt me, my my initial reaction is to get them back. They they hurt me so bad. I'm so angry about this. But what does Jesus, who is God, what did God do? He offers them again, yet this grace to raise up this fisherman named Peter to preach the gospel to them and to say, you want to know God? You, You see it clearly now? There's still an offer to repent. There's still an offer to get right with God because He is God and there is perfect sufficiency found in Him and a satisfaction in His name. If you believe it, say yes. It's awesome what He's done to offer these people who so many times jeered and ridiculed Him and mocked Him and humiliated Him and here Jesus is yet again offering them redemption. The promise of Jesus' offer. It's promised to them that as many as God will call, they will repent. They will come to know Christ. They'll be washed of their sin. They'll be forgiven. And I just want to be really real with you this morning. To the person who has had a life where Christ is not King. And your schedule, your devotion, what you do. Someone else tells you what to do. Someone else says, be here at this baseball field at this day. And you say, yes sir, yes ma'am. And you're there. To that person, you need to repent. You've not gotten it. That is not part of this. You can't find that kind of Christianity here. Call it what you want to call it. It's not Christianity. It's not redemption. It's not the grace and love that God has for you, dear sir or madam. You need to repent and give over your schedule to Him. Give over your affections to Christ. You were made to find the satisfaction in Him and in Him alone. For all the people that know God, say yes. He is perfect and awesome, church. And He is worthy. When I see the puzzle box lid, I see an insignificant piece called Ben Sweeterman that that has simply seen the design. And I'm just saying, church, when we see the design, it's not our job to say, well, that's not the way life is anymore. You're an idiot, okay? That's not, that's not, no, that's the picture. God's Word is there before us. We must see it, to rightly divide the Word of Truth, to see it in clarity, to see what kind of puzzle pieces fit and what kinds of puzzle pieces don't. And for far too long, some of you have thought that a pastor who entertains you is a puzzle piece that fits. It's not part of the program, friends. For many of you, you thought that a puzzle piece that fits in with the world and looks a lot like the world fits in that puzzle piece. It doesn't, church. It doesn't. His grace is way too much. The redemption that he's bought for us is so way too much transformative to be like that. It doesn't fit. And what I'm devoted to doing and what God has strengthened me and he has taken me through a process that has strengthened me and I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for God having corrected me and guided me such that my vision for leading this church is to make the puzzle pieces fit the way that God has given them. Not to take the piece and jam it and try to get it to go in. That's not what this place is going to be about. And some of you won't like it. And I'm sorry. I love you. But I love God a way whole lot more. The redemption. You didn't die for me on a cross. You didn't redeem this sinful man. None of my sins were taken away because of any of you. So I love you, but I love God a whole lot more. And he says, here's the puzzle box lid. Do the, this is the way, this is the template, this is the model. And I love God enough to say that I'm not going to take that puzzle box lid and just throw it back in his face and say, God, I'm going to do my own thing. No, that's not what this is about. Some of you will not like that but my job is not to create something here that that is liked by you. This this is my job. This is my calling because he has called me. He has redeemed me. And for those of you that know him, for those of you that weren't lying when we sang that song earlier, I lift my voice to God. I love you, Lord. For those of us that were not lying, you're cool with that. You're cool with just seeing the template and doing it just like that. But if you're angry, just know you're not angry. with me. You need to go read this first. Your problem is not with me. Your problem is with God's Word. And when you read God's Word, I hope that you'll find in it, oh, there is so much better in God's design than what I've been doing. They're so much better in God's design for sexuality than what the world is doing. They're so much better for God's design in obedient, follow, proper discipleship than this nominal garbage that's all over the place today. It's better. I'm convinced of it, and I'm convinced of it fully, and I love you all enough to tell you that truth, and it is indeed a difficult one because it does not make pastors popular. It makes them hated by many. And even if I am hated, I just want you to know before you're up and out of this place, I love you enough to tell you the truth and to go through a Sunday morning that gives knots in the stomach and the whole deal, knowing that this is like poison in the ears of many. I'm not here to tickle ears. I'm here to tell you about the truth of a God who loves you, who gave his only begotten son that you might be free. And the puzzle piece that fits in that is when you see that and you see him as God, you see him as sufficient, and you see that he is all that you need. He is one redemption force. Church, if that's good news, then say amen because Jesus is awesome. Please stand with me as we pray. Father, build your church. God, I don't know why you called me to this role and to preach your word, but but I don't need to know Jesus. I just need to know that you're with me. I need to know that you'll lead. I need to know that this is your church. I need to know that you are the over-shepherd, and I am yet just the insignificant under-shepherd, Lord. It is enough for me to be quiet and to take my marching orders as you, Jesus, as you build your church to fulfill the mission and to share this news of a loving Savior, Lord, that is your responsibility and it's not one you will shirk away from. You'll be faithful as you always have been. You'll be merciful as you always have been. You'll execute perfect judgment as you always have and always will. Build your church, Jesus. Let us not be in this place where we care more about what pitiful, insignificant, meaning nothing in eternity people think. Let us stand before your majesty and be overtaken by what we see truly there. Father, I don't want to force puzzle pieces in this thing called church anymore I don't want to force these things into my own personal life anymore you've already given us the template you've already lived the life that showed us the pattern and I submit to it this morning Jesus build your church have your way Use me, use us as you see fit. And we'll thank you all the way along, Lord. Because we have found satisfaction in your nature. In Jesus' mighty and holy name and all the church says.